Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 176, how to make friends with your loneliness and why you should. And why you should. Oh man, guys, yes. Welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and Matt is not with us because of scheduling issues, but you heard him already. The ever faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, friends. Hi. Are you before? Friending your loneliness. Yes, I'm speaking to my loneliness right now. No, no. no. Multiple lonelinesses. <laughs> oh, my word, you guys. I cannot wait for you to join us on this conversation today. You are in for a treat. We are going to talk with Dr. Kelly Flanagan uh, about, he wrote the book, True Companions. And he just talks in the first section of his book about loneliness and this concept of befriending it and why we need to do that and why loneliness is not isolation and how it interacts with shame. Oh my word, I just cannot wait to dive in. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show today, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. He is a clinical psychologist and the founder of Artisan Clinical Associates, a private practice in Naperville, Illinois, offering services to teens, adults, couples, and families. That's a big grouping, really, really needed today. Uh, the author of The Marriage Manifesto, and he's also the author of Lovable, and the book that we're going to be exploring today, I got it right here if you're watching us on YouTube or Vimeo, it's called True Companions, a book for everyone about the relationships that see us through. And just a little side note, I love how this is not just a marriage book, that this is a book for everyone, because on this podcast, we are constantly, constantly trying to talk about how a marriage, how married people and single people can really be the church instead of just keeping it in these silos. So thank you for writing this book. I love it. Uh, he also has written for publications such as Christianity Today, Reader's Digest, and a little known thing called Huffington Post. He lives in Dixon, Illinois with his wife and three kids. Welcome, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. Laurie, thank you for having me here. It's great to be here. Guys, I cannot wait to dive into specifically the parts of his book that talk and address loneliness. I honestly, I don't know if we can talk too much about loneliness right now in 2021. Um, and I really love this concept that you bring up in your book on befriending it and how it's different from things like isolation, etc. But before we do, question of the week. Y'all's feedback was, this is a cute question. And this is from none other than another therapist, uh, my husband, Matt. He's like, let's do zoo animal. Matt, if he wasn't a therapist, he thinks he says he'll be, he would be a zoologist. He just loves animals. Uh, so here's the question. And Kelly, we're going to toss it to you first. What is your favorite zoo animal? And what does this say about your personality? Uh, well, so I'll see your husband's therapist and raise it one. Okay. Oh, do so, it. Get um, it. I had a I had a client. Uh, this was maybe four or five months ago. Near the end of a session, just say to me, "Hey, can I ask you a few quick questions?" And you just answer them. Don't think about it. Just answer them. And I was like, "Okay, I'll do that." Um, she said, "Okay, if you could be any animal, what would you be?" Don't don't think about it. Just answer it. And I said, "A dolphin." Aww. And she said, "Okay." Now, if you couldn't be a dolphin, what would you be? <laughs> I just got this picture of like a wild stallion in my head. And I said, I'd be a stallion, a wild stallion. She said, okay, if you couldn't be a wild stallion, what would you be? And I said, um, a fox. Nice. And she said, okay. Yeah. She said, okay, well, the first one is how you want other people to see you, hmm. a dolphin. The second one is how other people actually see you. And the third one is who you actually are. Ooh. And 
Yeah. And, and it sort of messed me up. I, I think it's the more, it's the most emotional I've ever been in front of a client in 20 years because <laughs> I want people to see me as friendly and chipper and, you know, that dolphin-y sort of, oh, yep, you know, that's, yes, exa- exactly. Um, I think people see me as this sort of unpredictable, strong, sort of, you know, driven person that I don't resonate with at all. Mm. Um, and underneath it, I just, you know, the, the, the Fox, actually my first, in, in my first, we all went to an assembly of God church growing up and we had sort of our own sort of Cub Scouts where we were named with Native American names. And my Native American name was Shy Fox. Wow. Um, because the Fox sort of lives a, a solid, it lives actually with its companions, its whole life, its close family. It sort of moves quietly throughout its environment. Um, it's known in mythology for being clever, but not because it's, it's a trickster itself, but it can sort of sense the deceptiveness in others and, and sort of get around it. Mm. Um, and, and I thought, whoa, that's, that's powerful. I, I've, I definitely resonate with the Fox, um, but there's all this complexity of how pe- I want people to see me versus how they actually do and who I am behind all that. So wow. anyways, I, this, that's, I love that question because it's a complicated one for most of us. And new episode title, Steve, we're going to just go into this question now and analyze each other. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Never would I ever have thought that this question would have been the perfect one for you. Thank you for that insight. I need to journal for a couple hours now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Steve Odell, which listener response uh, resonated with you and maybe spoke to your inner shy fox? I don't don't know. know. I I just kind of latched on to what Sarah said. She just said giraffes but I have no idea what that might say about me. Um, and I think probably I was like, well, people would probably see me as giraffe because I'm tall. That's all mm-hmm. I've got. Mm-hmm. But really that my answer, not going to surprise anyone, the sloth or the koala bear, because <laughs> I like naps and they just seem like they're just kind of always content and happy, at least in the zoo. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I like that a lot. <laughs> I also really liked this answer. Hi, I'm Rebecca from Toledo, Ohio. My favorite zoo animal are red pandas. They're adorable, fun, and a little bit obscure. What does that say about my personality? It says I'm unique because you didn't think of that answer, did you? Hashtag Enneagram 4. <laughs> As the other Enneagram 4 here. Um, I would also say red pandas, but they're actually like uh, in Grand Rapids, they're the hit. I like animal at our zoo here and so all of our kids have red panda stuffed animals and that's like the one we want to go see because they're so cute and cuddly and playful and i want to psychoanalyze myself now because that is definitely how i want to i want people to see me and i know that's not exactly who i am inside (laughs) it's got layers okay let's dive into this question that we've asked every guest uh, since we began the podcast um, and it's about the gospel and we just want to get to know you and your story a little bit uh, as, as we engage the gospel which is why we do this podcast is to talk about how it's good news for everyone every day so if the gospel is kelly that i'm more loved than i imagine but more sinful than i believe when was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still today mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that the, my answer to that question goes back to, um, gosh, it was the the beginning of two thousand eight. Um, I had been um, 
I'd been gone through some depression. I had recently become a doctor and uh, it didn't solve all my problems. What? Go figure. Um, yeah, no, didn't become perfectly happy and uh, got depressed, was sort of messing up my marriage and burning out. And, um, and, and so I made the New Year's resolution that year that I was going to quit reading self-improvement books and I was going to just start to practice uh, mindfulness and sort mm-hmm. of listening to the, my, my inner life and uh, contemplative prayer and, and those sorts of practices. And uh, I remember standing in the, um, in the kitchen with my wife one day and saying, uh, so uh, this, this voice within me that I've thought was like the voice of God my whole life, I actually think it's the voice of shame mm-hmm. um, telling me that I'm not good enough and I'm not lovable and I need to start listening for a different voice. And, uh, and so that's what, that, what my practice became that year of 2008. And, uh, and as I say in my, my book, my first book, Lovable, I share this story a little bit. Um, we were actually on a Marine base um, for her sister's uh, wedding. And it was Sunday morning. It was Father's Day morning. And I woke up in all of my normal sort of sinful, angry, you know, resentful thoughts about all the ways that I wasn't treated right the day before. And, uh, and, but I had been practicing listening for the voice of, of God within me. And, and I often pinpoint that day as the first day that I heard it. Um, mm-hmm. I heard God actually speak to me, um, not through the filter of my own shame. And he said, uh, you know, Kelly, I'm especially fond of you. I always have been, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And there was a moment there where for the first time I got to see that I have a true self that God gave to me. God created for me um, that is, you know, beautifully, wonderfully made, knitted together in my mother's womb. And, and that there's this other self that I created for myself um, that when I started to doubt that the self God created for me was good enough and worthy of love and belonging, I created a false self um, to protect me from feeling more shame to, to earn me the love and belonging that I wanted in the world. And all of a sudden, I had these two selves, my true self that God created for me that is lovable and beautiful. And I had this other self that does most of my sitting in order to protect that, mm. that first self. And, it, and for the first time, I realized it didn't need any protection. Um, it was good enough the way that it was. And, uh, and honestly, my, my entire life from that point on has been, um, it, it's, it's a journey of, of settling into and living from that self that God created for me mm-hmm. more consistently and just beginning to learn how to observe and be aware of all the ways I protect that self and let, letting go of those protections and just showing up as who I am. Um, and so it's been, uh, gosh, that was 13 years ago now, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, it's been a beautiful 13 years. Wow. So, this morning when you woke up, how did what you learned 13 years ago apply to this morning? Great question. Um, so in Lovable, I talk about how this false self that we create to protect our true self is sort of built over the years like a castle that, that surrounds and protects our true self. And that castle has three components to it. It's got castle walls, the things we do to sort of hide ourselves so people can't see in and hurt us. Um, it's got cannons. The things we do to to aggressively keep people at a distance so they can't hurt us. Um, although my wife says, "No, no, my wife says that's a masculine metaphor." And women put archers on their walls, which is precision strikes that cut close to the bone. Right? That sounds right. Um, yeah, and then we have our thrones, these sort of arrogant places that we sit on and feel better than everybody else, so we don't have to feel worse than them. And so, what I recommend to folks, and what I try to practice, is um, instead of the last thing every day, flipping through your phone, you know, slip, you know flipping through your apps. And first thing, when you wake up in the morning, flip through your false self, just ask yourself, like, 
How did I show up with my walls, my cannons, and my thrones today? Or am I waking up this morning in a hidden place, in an aggressive place, or in an elevated place? And what would it look like to just exchange that, that sort of protection, whatever it is today, for whatever reason, lower the drawbridge on this castle and go out and, and show up authentically? So to be honest with you, completely, I woke up feeling... Um, I woke up feeling sort of anxious. You, 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 these are, this is a different kind of interview than I typically do. Right. And so it stirred up some of that old, like, am I going to be enough today? Am I going to, am I going to, you know, what are my questions? What are my answers going to be like? Will they serve people well? And so, so my focus became instead of like then walking out into the kitchen and being grumpy at everybody because I'm feeling vulnerable, I'll just try to show up authentically and be vulnerable today and be vulnerable in this interview. And, um, and so that's where we're at. I love that. Thank you so much for being so authentic and modeling, not only in describing the castle, and I got to read Lovable now. That's just a side note. Uh, <laughs> but um, but also, so you describe it, but then you modeled it. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, 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 I've learned over the last 13 years that um, if I don't model it, things, things don't, things, life doesn't turn out as beautifully as it could. (laughs) That's right. Okay. I'm going to read a quote to you that you wrote. um, And I underlined a lot in your lovely loneliness section. Um, Mm. So you said, I used to think I was the only one who was lonely. After all, when you look around, people don't look lonely. They just look like they're drinking a latte. I was like, so (laughs) true, because I think we instinctively know there's like loneliness out there, but we feel like it's got to only be me. Can you talk to us yeah. a little bit about that? Is everyone truly lonely? Well, yeah, um, I, I think I think where I would I would say yes. I think everyone is truly lonely, but it's we have to we have to sort of reclaim what we mean by that word lonely to understand that that a lot of us think of lonely as a feeling that goes along with a certain set of conditions. Um, but when I talk about loneliness, I'm talking about it as a fact, like a fact of our humanness, and. Um, it makes me think the way that we use words, it reminds me of a, um, a situation I had with a couple many, many years ago in therapy. They came in fighting about whether or not they were going to put a, a new TV in the living room. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's do our thing here. You know, you, let's practice our communication skills and I'll help out. And as I was listening to them, I, something started to dawn on me as I was sort of the objective observer. And I said, hey, hold on, hold on. And I said to the husband, I said, can you describe the room that you're talking about when you say living room? And he started to describe it. And his wife goes, that's not the living room. That's the family room. You can put a TV in there. You know, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think when I say lonely, a lot of people think of a word, um, a, sort of a, a place within themselves that is, is shameful and is bad and is um, sort of a sign that we've done something wrong, that we're at fault. Um, but I'm describing an entirely different room within us. It's the, it's this place at the center of us that was created for us. It's part of our true self. And it's a place that because we're the only one inside of our skin, we're the only one who can see it. Um, We're the only one who can understand it. And we barely do um, understand it. Um, And so it's just sort of a fact. It's a reality of being a human being with a soul walking around inside of skin that we have, we have this reality that we are going to be a little bit lonely on this journey, no matter how hard our people try to see us and understand us, they're never going to get all the way there. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think we're all walking around with that fact of loneliness, um, sort of built into us. 
as I was wrestling, well, just more processing uh, what you're saying now and, and reading it over a series of chapters, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was like, it's just so true is that no one is ever going to get you fully. Mm-mm. No one's ever going to fully get you. And we have that craving, which is such a Jesus craving who does actually get us, but a human being yeah. can never quite get it. Okay, so that is just true. That's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Now right. you talk about befriending. This is a tough question because, okay, now let, let, yeah. me, let me just describe what I'm about to ask. So mm-hmm. context, this week, and often most weeks, I'm talking with my uh, dear single friends who I'm journeying with at different levels and they're journeying with me at different levels. And there is this, I think, right Right. And maybe there's some wrong and you help us maybe discern that just screaming anger at the church for not helping more with the loneliness problem is that mm-hmm. there's a ice maybe and then maybe I'm using the wrong word. Maybe it's more isolation. And so mm-hmm. there's part of me when I'm listening to both my own isolation and loneliness and their isolation and loneliness and they're wrestling with the church where I'm like, yeah, the church is does struggle with creating spaces of relating to each other. But how much of it is, I just need to accept and befriend, we'll talk more, my own sense of loneliness. And how much of it is, yeah, church, you're sucking at this. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. Um, And honestly, I think you found your, I think in that question, you have found your way to the heart of the tension at the center of true companionship, Mm. which is how much is this about just me? I need to accept that this is a part of being human and in relationship. And how much of this is I need to challenge our relationship to be healthier, better, um, and and more transformative. And at the level of the church, that's a big, a big complicated question. But at the level of the individual, the question is always like, how much is of this is, you know, my wife's distracted by everything going on in life and it's okay for me to ask her to bring a little bit more attention back to our relationship versus how much of it is, you know, she's not getting it out of the ballpark right now. And I'm just always going to be a little lonely because there's just no way even this amazing woman who's loved me so well can ever understand me. Mm-hmm. Now at the church level, I think, I think, I think there's three, I think the problem to some extent is that there's several different solutions that the church offers for loneliness and none of them help um, when we talk about loneliness in this way. So for instance, your, your poor single friends, too often the church has suggested that marriage is the way out of loneliness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like this is the, the the finish line that we're all trying to get to. And, uh, and the reality is we all, all of us married folks know that's just not true. Like Lie. it doesn't take away your loneliness. And we do a lot of damage to our marriages still then saying, well, if it's not taking away my loneliness, you're doing something wrong. And we create all sorts of conflict and unnecessary strife. Um, So that idea that marriage is going to take away your loneliness, we can do away with that. And hopefully that liberates some of your single friends to know they're not like missing out on the solution to begin with. Um, I think another thing I talk about in True Companions is the focus in most churches is on the cultivation of unconditional love. Right. Just a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's a foundational thing. But I think churches treat it like the finish line rather than the starting line. And, uh, and, and the reality is God didn't treat it like the finish line. God said, I love you unconditionally. Now I want to come walk with you. I'm going to come in the form of Jesus to be, to be your, um, 
to be your companion on earth. And so I think when we only focus on unconditional love in churches, you can unconditionally love someone from a long ways away right? Oh, I love the singles in our church. I think they're a great community. Yes, they, they make some bad decisions with their lives and they're living in sin, but I love them unconditionally. You can do that from, I don't know, over in your little married small group or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but to love companionably, to love with the love that we call philia, or philia is, is to come alongside, to enter into the life of to say, I'm going to walk along with you in this. And, and so I think our churches have the foundation in our understanding of unconditional love, um, but we're needing to build upon that foundation, um, this idea of companionship and walking together. Um, and I think then, I think the reality of that is that because we're not totally focused on that in church, our gathering spaces don't emphasize the, the work of learning to see each other and trying to understand each other as well as we can, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so I think there's I think there's work to do in the church and in, in in enhancing those qualities in every place of gathering, every place of belonging. That how can we see each other better, and how can we work to understand each other, recognizing we never will completely understand mm-hmm. each other. In this quote, you say you say this. You say true companionship or that philia philia, however you're supposed to say it, mm-hmm. is a space. Right in which our loneliness is shared. So I hear in that, I am not taking all of my innards and dumping them on you and be like, fix me. You know, that's not, that's going to destroy marriages. That's going to destroy small groups, church. That's going to destroy the church, but it's sharing. It's shoulder to shoulder. It's an invitation to, of presence. So I love that solution for, you know, that sharing that side by side. And I know there's so many ways we could dive into how exactly we do that. But Mm. I want to pause that and think and just focus now on, you know, you described this inner loneliness we all have, this fact that no one can ever be you. Uh, We have Mm. Jesus in us. How do you go about befriending that? That's the phrase you use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, I think it's actually the longest chapter in True Companions is the chapter where I talk about the process of befriending our loneliness. And, um, and, and what I do is I equate it to what we call the hero's journey in storytelling. So whenever you go to a, a movie that just you think rocks or you read a book that is, is excellent, um, the person who's telling the story is telling that story according to what we've discovered are the universal principles of story, a character um, who goes through specific steps and stages towards getting um, what they want. And, and so if it's okay, I'll just walk through the first yeah. few stages of that. Yeah. Cause I think, I think the first few stages is where um, we get stuck with our loneliness and befriending it. So the first stage of the hero's journey is the ordinary world where you, you're just going, sort of going about your life and you don't know that there's any sort of deeper calling or any adventure to go on. Right. And I think that's, I think that's most of us drinking a latte, right? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't feel lonely today. I'm here with three friends, right? And right. so I must not be. Um, but then the hero hears a call, a call to adventure, a call to, oh, there's more going on here than I thought. Um, I, I want more from my life than I, I realized I did. Um, and so that call, that, that sort of stirring of loneliness within us, that sense of I'm not understood, I'm not seen, Um, nobody gets what it's like to be within my experience. Those are happening to us all the time, right? Mm -hmm. But the hero, the next thing the hero does in every good story is refuses the call, 
Yeah, uh, no, that's going to cost me too much, right? <laughs> uh, Luke's like, no, I know I want to go join the rebellion, but I'm going to stay here on Tatooine and farm the the sand because that's just too, it's just too much. Um, and uh, and so one of the things we have to be aware of as people is what are we doing to refuse the call, right? You're in your car and you feel this sort of great stirring of um, nobody knows what it's like to, to have the day that I have today. And you immediately start risking everybody's lives by texting people, you know, or scroll, scrolling through Facebook. This is the refusal of the call. This is the unwillingness to stay with that stirring of loneliness within us. Um, and so I think each of us needs to get really good at cataloging. What are my ways of refusing the call toward that lonely experience of being me? Um, and then, and then in every good story, a mentor comes along and nudges the nudges the uh, hero over the threshold into really committing to their adventure. So I think what we need to do as people is we need to, we need to seek out mentors to say, I really want to take this inner journey toward my deep, deep uniqueness, my, my loneliness. And, and I want somebody to encourage me and hold me accountable to do that and not be constantly going to all my refusals, my, my screens and my drink and my, relationship chasing and my marital conflict and all these things I do to refuse the call. Um, and, and then amazing things start to happen after a little bit because the, the hero then goes on their adventure, the mentor nudges them over the threshold. At first it's a little tough because you run into all sorts of unpleasant things within you, right? <laughs> Memories of times where you felt abandoned, um, your shame about why you don't have more, um, connection in your life or connection that is more satisfying um, ways that you feel like your life could be more populated, but it's not. And that hurts. Um, and so we run into tough stuff at first, but if we can persist through that, we eventually end up in every hero's journey at the inmost cave where we discover the treasure that we've been coming for. And, and I believe the treasure is our true self, um, our uniqueness, our specific call, our reason for being here, who we are, created to be from the beginning. And I believe that we discover our divine image within us in that place. Um, and so to me, it is a, it's a, it's a journey. It's, it's not easy at times, but it's well worth it. Mm. Why is it worth it? Cause that, that has to be the follow-up is there's people listening and they're like, I'm coping enough. Like, and then maybe the word is coping is I kind of yeah. like my Netflix and my three glasses of wine a night. And my, I mean, that looks yeah. hard. Luke Skywalker, the, that stinks. Uh, <laughs> I don't yes. want your yeah. life or Lori Krieg yep. or Kelly Flanagan. I don't want your life. So I guess why, why is, why is going inward and mm. seeking to be friend and going on that journey? Why is that better than not? Well, um, I'll answer your question. I will say, and this is for everybody, like I think listening who has people in their life who are like, who, who, who they want to call into this deeper journey, right? But they're, these people are like, I'm good. Like, um, the thing you learn as a therapist is you just can't force anybody to go on the journey, right? They've, they've got to be responding to that inner urge. Um, and so I think we're here speaking today to the folks who have felt that inner urge and they're aware of it yeah. and they want it and they want a, a, a sort of a map, a roadmap for how to do it. So those are the folks we're talking to. But there's this, um, there's this, a stage of change in psychology we call contemplation. It's, it, it follows pre-contemplation and right before planning. And there might be some folks out there who are like, yeah, like I could do Netflix forever. Yeah, I could, you know, um, this, this Disney Plus thing's pretty amazing. I don't have to go to the theater anymore. Like I don't even have to get on my PJs. Um, and, uh, and yet there's a part of them that knows at some level 
um, that when it's all said and done, they're going to look back and wonder what they left on the table. Mm. You know, what didn't they, what didn't they do? What didn't they explore? What life didn't they live? Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons in True Companions, we talk about that. We talk about our, the, the, how limited our time is here and why we need to be paying attention to that and why there's an urgency to living the life that we want to live right now. Um, we get one shot at it. You know, and uh, and so um, so I think we want to speak to that awareness in folks that we have one shot at this, um, and and so why is it worth it? Um, my experience is that most of the suffering in the world uh, and in our lives is a resistance um, to what is, a resistance to who we are, a resistance to going towards the things that scare us, a resistance. Uh, toward our pain and desire to avoid it. Um, and that our lives dramatically change when we shift from a position of resistance to what's in us and what's around us to a position of approach, to moving toward it, to, to uh, allowing it to be our teacher, to allowing it to be our guide, even if it's hard. Um, and so that, that's the direction of peace to me, mm-hmm. the, the, the direction of wholeness, the direction of shalom is to enter, to be able to enter into our full self, not resist who we are, get to know ourselves, get to love ourselves um, in that space, come closer to God than we've ever been, um, have a greater sense of wisdom and clarity about not just like what I want to do with my life, but what I want to, how I want to show up to this interaction with this person that I care about and I love. All of that wisdom and intuition and clarity is at the center of us. And, and if we don't, if we don't seek it, um, we're sort of like we're sort of like blind folks walking in the dark. Mm. So really, this heart work equips us. You know, I don't want it to be. You have to become the person, so then you can perform a lot. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. But it, there is something, or that's not what I'm getting at. But there's something to this presence within yourself and inviting Jesus more into as He makes you into who you really, truly are. As you're on that discovery mm-hmm. with Him, because He's involved in this process, um, yeah. not just the Force with Luke. It's there's actual right. God. <laughs> um, he's yes. involved in this process, but you know, I was I was even wrestling. I every few months I go through a Why am I doing this job? I go through a, God, this is hard, stinking work. And Mm -hmm. why do I put myself out there? Why do I do these different things? Not this podcasting is actually really fun, but the whole Mm -hmm. work that I do. And, you know, there is this character building that as you're moving, you start to get to know God more. You get to know yourself more. And then, you know, whatever the performance piece, which doesn't feel as performancey if you're doing it in line with the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. it's, you're rescuing souls. You're inviting mm-hmm. others into this journey with the Holy Spirit. And there ain't nothing like that feeling of mm-hmm. working with the Spirit to make disciples wherever you're called. It sounds maybe hokey. It sounds maybe too Christianese. But as I was wrestling even this weekend, the Spirit just was speaking to my spirit like, Lori, mm-hmm. even three people. If you mm. can partner with me as I'm working with you to grab three people, is that worth it? I'm like, yeah, it totally is. 
So like what I love about that. So I, I believe our, our sort of life mission statement already exists at the center of us. We don't need to come up with it. We don't need to create it. It was created for us. And, and it's, it's buried inside of our loneliness because it's entirely unique to us. Ooh. Right. So we have to be able to go towards our uniqueness and our loneliness to unearth it. And so I love what you just said. That sounds to me like a life mission statement at the center of you. If, if a couple people, right, yep. are awakened to the majesty of this story and to the goodness of God and the universe, then, then it's a win, right? A win. Boom. And, and for me, it's, um, I sort of go back and forth. The, 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 things, the things that I found at the center of me is I want to speak in the tender voice of a father so that people walk away knowing they are worthy. Um, another way of saying it for me is I want to awaken people to the beauty of their true self and empower them to live from it. Um, and so like to, to, to have, to be given that mission statement, to, to find it within you and to be able to use it, to filter out, like, how am I showing up in the supermarket line? How am I showing up with my teenager who's rebelling? How am I showing up with my 11 year old who wants to hang out with me? How am I showing up when my wife and I are out on a date? Like that's, that there's this incredible peace and clarity that comes from that, that, that can sustain you through the hard parts of all of it. Mm, right. Because, yeah. because you're, you're, you have a different reference point now. It's not how easy is life, right? It's how, how clear am I in pursuing the thing that I'm sort of here to do. Mm, which is so much sweeter than easy. Like, so much better than easy. So much yeah. better. All right. It I'm, I'm going to read in another uh, paragraph to you that you wrote that made me cry. And it wasn't because it made me think about myself so much, but just in your interaction with your son in particular. So uh, try to remember, you said, even the best witness will not be able to witness the quiet and lonely place at the center of you. Though I showed up with Philia on Aiden, that's your son's big night. This was, he was doing a performance and you said no to an event that you're going to speak at to be with him at his uh, performance at a play. But uh, though I showed up with Philia on Aiden's big night, there's a big space within him I can never witness. He will carry that space around within him his entire life into and through every companionship, and it will not go away. His extra loneliness will be eased, but his ordinary loneliness will go on. So will yours. That's okay. Mm. So I think I cried because I, we have a six, four, and one-year-old, and I, you just, mm. you would slice your wrist for your kids. You know, you're like, it's just, you, right. it's just true. And um, for those of you who do not have kids, uh, you, you have, I'm sure have those people in your life that you're like, oh, I jump right in front of a train for them. So that's, that's right. there are the people there's, those are some of the people I would take a bullet for. And I ache for their ache, their permanent ache. Yes. And so that's, that's where the right. tears come from. Uh, mm -hmm. But I guess the question I have for you, for someone who's listening, you know, who's maybe aching for those they're walking with or aching for themselves, how, how can we know if what we're experiencing or someone we love is experiencing is extra loneliness or ordinary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so uh, my, my gut reaction to that is that, um, that we don't ever have full clarity about that, but that's the, ten that's the tension in which we live and the tension in which our relationships and lives are lived right. is, um, you know, I think of, so extra loneliness, I think of as unnecessary isolation in our lives, 
Mm. Um, and we want to eliminate as much of that as possible. That is a problem that we can do something about and address. Um, yeah. You know, so for instance, um, you know, there are there are a number of ways in which digital connection leaves us feeling isolated. Right. Because we don't feel completely understood. We don't feel seen, you know, I mean, the difference between someone looking you in the eye and giving you a hug versus a thousand thumbs ups on a Instagram, you know, uh, post, they can't compare. And so, so a thousand, a thousand hearts, I guess it's hearts on Instagram, a thousand hearts leaves us feeling isolated, ironically. Um, it leaves us feeling not seen and not really understood. And so we need to be attentive to that. We need to be attentive to populating our lives with people who um, are, we are working together to see each other well and understand each other as well as we can. Mm. And then we need to just be really sensitive to the limits on that, the ceiling on that, as we've talked about, the fact that no one can can get all the way in there. And if And if we're in community aware of all of this, we can talk about it. Right. Like um, I can say to my wife, how much of the loneliness that I'm feeling right now is because we've had a busy week and your attention has been drawn to the new hire you're trying to figure out at work. And how much of it is just me, you know, um, I don't know, I'm wrestling with a new project and it makes me insecure and no one else can understand what it's like to be writing this book at this time. And how, you know, like we can talk about that. And ironically, this is the funny thing. If we can talk about that, guess who feels less the extra loneliness goes away right right and all I'm left with is just the parts that I, I figure out I can't be understood so to me that's the that's the hope is that we can cultivate relationships in which we can freely talk about that non-defensively because we're not blaming the other person anymore we're just sort of trying to figure out together in our companionship what can we do to see and understand each other better and where are the limits on that mm, I I really appreciate that and I, I like that, you know, the extra loneliness, even the interchange of words for like isolation. And, you yeah. know, you, and all of us, I'm sure, thinking about COVID and like that just was so damaging. It's I mean, we're Absolutely. still in the midst of it at some level. But when we were in the shutdowns all the time, that was just assault on all of our souls. And I, and I, I've, I feel, I feel protective of my little book, True Companions, because I think if you hear like, oh, this book is about loneliness and how we need to embrace our yeah. loneliness. I think people right now are like, uh, done embracing my loneliness. I've been doing that for a year and a half. And aren't we all supposed to be getting out and reconnecting? Mm -hmm. And and the reality is, no, like, you be done embracing the isolation of this. That's yes, it. let's get into analog relationships again with each other. We are designed for connection and community. But recognize this is something something's weird is going to happen. You're going to go out and be with people and it's going to be amazing. And yet there's just going to be this leftover, like, uh, dissatisfaction that some need wasn't met in that. Yep. And that's, that's your loneliness and that's not going to go away. And that's why I wanted to emphasize this in this conversation is I think we're feeling that. And then yeah. some of us are throwing anger on it and then we're just giving yeah. up, just kind of rage quitting life at in different ways. Yeah. And so yep. if we can hear this nuanced gentle language that you say in your book, as well as much more. There's two more sections to it, um, which are so beautiful. But this nuanced language, we can deep dive into, okay, what's going on? Instead of rage quitting life and going back to whatever binge we want to do, let's right. dive in. Let's go on that hero's journey. Yeah, there's a part of me that, that wishes um, 
True Companions had come out exactly a year earlier, which is when most people wish a book hadn't come out right at the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic. But I think it would have, I would have been loved to have been able to say, hey, you're going to, well, if we knew it at the time, you're going to have a year mm. of, of where it's going to be easy to refuse the call into your loneliness and refuse the call into your inner life. Um, but you could use that year to, to befriend your loneliness to enter into the center of you, to get to know yourself better, to discover a deeper spiritual connection to your life and to your God than you've ever had. Um, and now, now we're, we're all getting ready to go out and get active again. And that's going to, it's going to be easy to crowd out those spaces where we can go on that inner journey. So, um, so yeah, they're very different things. Go out, get active, um, reduce your isolation, um, be in community, be in connection, but maybe also be very careful to start to, to, to carve out some spaces in your life for this inner journey towards your, your uniqueness and your loneliness. Yes. For as a final point to the people Mm -hmm. who are listening, who like you rightly noticed, are feeling the stir and are maybe in the contemplation stage, what's, mm-hmm. what's a step they can take? Um, I love doing this with authors and with people we have on here, just to give people one more nudge. What's a practical thing they could do when this podcast is done as far as mm-hmm. a step on the hero's journey to go from contemplation uh, to mm-hmm. maybe some of the plan making? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean... As an author, I got to recommend they get this great book called True Companions. Same. Um, I also recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad start, but uh, there's also a study guide that goes with it. So you could study it with people, which would be oh. awesome. But um, I think the thing that I recommend is um, we, have to, we have to cultivate the capacity to create spaces of non-doing. This, is, this journey is not a doing journey. It's a, it's a being journey. It's a settling into being present to oneself, observing what's going on inside of us, becoming more familiar with our inner life. Um, and so I think one of the first things I recommend is to create a regular daily space just for non-doing, for presence, for self-awareness, for, for being with ourselves. Um, and then the second thing I would say, and we, we haven't talked much about this today, but this is actually what this is probably the trigger for me writing this book in this way was that my book lovable was about overcoming some of our shame, the belief that we're not worthy of love and belonging. What I started to discover after I'd published lovable, um, which was really sort of in some ways like a victory lap on that, that experience in my life of overcoming a lot of my shame was like, wait, but I'm still feeling lonely. Like Mm -hmm. what, I thought if my shame went away, my sense of loneliness would go away too. And to begin to discover they're totally separate things, but shame will, will, will latch onto our loneliness and it will say, you're feeling lonely because mm. you're not charismatic enough. You're not wealthy enough. You're not popular enough. You're not, you know, social enough. You're not whatever. And, and so when we create that space to just be with ourselves, one of the first things we are going to experience is our shame. It's one of the first things to bubble up. Um, is the sense that we're not, we're not good enough. Um, and so I think folks need to know that. They need to be aware that that's coming and they need to, to be able to, to hear that as, uh, if you want to call it a lie, a deceptive voice within us, um, a, a cognitive distortion, and you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever language, but you need to call that out because otherwise you won't stick with the journey. Yeah. You'll default to something else. It's it, it's an unpleasant voice that comes up right away. So recognize it for what it is. Tell it, hey, all right, shame voice, 
be quiet for today. I'm, 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 I'm wanting to spend some time with myself and move towards the center of me. So creating that space, being aware that you're going to experience the shame voice and continuing with the discipline anyways, I think is so important. Goodness. Thank you. That's so helpful, man, guys, please go check out <laughs> true companions and uh, Dr. Kelly's site, drkellyflanagan.com for more there. Kelly, thank you so much. Uh, for really just walking us through so gently um, and wisely and well being so present uh, to even my questions. Um, I, I'm, you know, it's not a performance, but she did knock it out of the park. So thank you. <laughs> well, and I, I can truly the, my, my capacity to show up is, is sort of limited by the host capacity. And I could sense that presence in you. You keep saying yeah. performance, you know, but yeah. what I sensed in you wasn't performance, but presence. And so I'm great. Just, I'm feel blessed by this conversation. My whole day is going to be better because of it. So thank you. You're so welcome. Oh man, my day is going to be better too. And my next week because of the question of the week for next week. <laughs> was that good, Steve? That was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Nice segue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you guys can answer it by joining that Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook group that I mentioned. I always post it there and then I sometimes do on my regular Facebook and haven't been so good on the Instagram and pretty much never on Twitter. So there's my social media habits right now. But here is the question. Would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or would you rather go to the future to meet your descendants? Right? You just want to think about it for a while. Yeah. Me too. Wow. So we want to hear your thoughts. I know the social media. I didn't say social meds. Are you proud of me? <laughs> I'm proud of me. <laughs> well, the Persians have been feeling left out for a while. The social Persians. The social Persians. Sorry. The meds and the Persians. Yes. Is that an Esther? I don't remember anyway yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> now i'm totally thrown you guys uh on the social media you can answer that but i know on that space is not so much the space where we think deeply for like a long time and then write a long response but we're asking for it because this, this is a good one uh thank you again to dr kelly flanagan for just so much insight good grief this episode and for all of us here at the whole in my heart podcast We'll see you next week and maybe also your descendants. <laughs> <laughs>